Hi everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Changing Birth podcast. I am really happy to have you here listening. I am focusing on interventions in today's podcast episode. So birth interventions, why it's important to research different interventions before you get to your birth and how you can start building that knowledge and really getting to a place where you feel really confident and knowledgeable in the lead up to your birth so that then you can navigate any interventions should they arise. So what is a birth intervention? Essentially, an intervention is anything that uh, could potentially interfere or uh, have an impact on our physiology in birth. So anything that's deviating from that normal physiology, the, the, the process of physiological birth. So it might be things like an induction of labor. It might be an epidural. It might be other medical pain relief options. It may be a stretch and sweep. It could be an ARM or artificially rupturing the membranes or breaking the waters. There's lots of different birth interventions. It may be uh, a particular test that you're offered in pregnancy or a particular medication that you're offered in labor. Anything like that um, is what we would class as a birth intervention. And why I think it is so important to have a good understanding of some of these different interventions before you're actually in labor is because birth interventions are so common in Australia. So many women are having different birth interventions. And I think a lot of us, yes, would argue that they are overused, but sometimes they are really beneficial and working out whether that intervention is actually going to be beneficial for you or your baby is sometimes tricky. And like I said, so many people do have interventions. We have really high intervention rates in birth in Australia. And so I think it would be really doing a disservice as a childbirth educator and as a midwife if I didn't discuss that with the women and families that I was working with, because that is the reality of birthing in our maternity system. You are likely to be offered interventions. And one of the best things you can do is to ask questions and build your knowledge before you're actually in labor so that you can help to navigate those interventions. You might be thinking, well, isn't my midwife or doctor just going to tell me the best thing to do? And I think this approach is completely understandable. And that's what we'd really hope is that our care provider, our midwife or doctor will be really up to date with the research and will give us all of the options, um, the pros and cons of the different options. They might say something like, we could do this and this is why I think that would be beneficial and a good idea. This is some of the risks of that intervention. This is some of our other options. We could wait. We could not do the intervention. This would be the pros and cons of that option. So some care providers do a fantastic job of explaining that and really giving you all of the information. Um, But unfortunately, what I do hear a lot from women that I'm working with is that they were only presented with one course of action or more so actually, I hear a lot that people are just told what to do. They're told that they're being booked in for an induction. They're told that they're going to have their waters break in, that they're going to put the continuous fetal monitoring on, things like that. And that to me is not informed decision making. And as a care provider, uh, that I think is um, really not acceptable. it, It is our job to give someone all of the information on the different options. And yes, to give our clinical recommendation, I'm not saying that they shouldn't be giving medical advice, but to also discuss those other options, to not use coercive language, to not pressure people into decisions. Whereas unfortunately, what we do sometimes see um, and what I hear 
from people that I'm working with is that they do feel pressured into certain interventions. Mm -hmm. The other thing is that unfortunately hospital policies aren't always up to date with the latest evidence. Statistically, we know in the research that it can take roughly somewhere between about 15 to 20 years from when new research comes out on a particular topic to when it is implemented everywhere and it becomes part of normal practice, it becomes part of all hospital policies and the hospital culture. Now, that is a really long time. And if you're currently pregnant, you do not have 15 to 20 years to wait for those policies to get up to date. And hospital policies, also important to know that they are not the law. They are recommendations, but it's still your body and your baby at the end of the day. And you get to choose what you do and don't want to do. And some of those hospital policies can be really helpful and can provide really good information and can help you in your decision making. Absolutely. And some of them are fantastic and they're very up to date with the research, but not all of them are always going to be. So that's also why I think it is important to do some research, build your knowledge before, but also know about asking questions. And this whole idea around build your knowledge, knowledge is power. Like I love it, but I also want to acknowledge that it is not easy to do. Um, There are some fantastic resources, and I'll talk about some in a minute where you can go to get some of this information. But there is unfortunately some areas of maternity care that have not been researched well or hardly been researched at all. And so when you're trying to find information on a certain topic, sometimes it's really actually hard to find good research. And I think that's probably why some of our hospital policies are so conflicting sometimes and why care providers all do different things and have different recommendations because it is not always really clear in the research. If it was, I think it would make all of our lives as care providers, but also for birthing women a lot easier, Um, but it's not. And so when you are researching things and you're looking at studies and you're having discussions with your care providers, just um, know that you may not you may not get to the point where you have the exact answer and you have all the research that's pointing to one direction uh, or one decision. You might actually find that you have some studies that lean towards a particular recommendation and then you have others that might contradict that and then that can leave you in the middle thinking, okay, I don't know what to do now. So that's tricky and you've just got to make the best decision with the info that you have at the time. We do not have a crystal ball. We can't go back after our birth, you know, and go, oh, okay, I would have, you know, we we can look back and think, okay, I might've made a different decision, but you just don't know at the time. Hindsight is great, but we've got to make the best decision at the time with the info that we've got. Uh, And that info may be really good, or it might be not as clear depending on, on the research. Um, Also important to mention, I think that you don't have to base all your decisions off research. As care providers, we are supposed to be evidence-based. Our recommendations are supposed to be based off of the research. So those of you that have come to my classes or have worked one-on-one with me will know that I do talk about that with the research. And anything that I'm ever recommending to a client, I will talk about the research that is behind that. Um, And as an evidence-based practitioner, as a healthcare practitioner, that is what we are meant to do. However, for you as a consumer, as a birthing person, you, you can make whatever decision you like. And it doesn't have to be based on the research. It might be your gut feeling or it might just be what you think is best. And um, and that's okay as well. So don't feel like you necessarily have to justify your decision. I think for a lot of people that I work with, they find the research really helpful in making that decision and trying to weigh up different options. And I can totally understand that myself as well. But 
at the end of the day, you do not have to justify to us as healthcare providers why you're making a certain decision. It is your body and you can, you know, make whatever decision that, that you like. The other thing I think is really important is to go back to your care provider and chat to them about these things. So if you are reading articles or you're reading research or you're looking into different topics, then I would really recommend going back to your midwife or your obstetrician and saying, hey, I've been doing some research on this. This is what I'm thinking. What's your perspective on that? And this is really great because it means that you're going to get information that's personalized to you and your journey and your health and your baby's health. Uh, midwives and obstetricians like they are really highly trained and sometimes when we're trying to build that knowledge we can get a bit overwhelmed with all of these different things and think is this actually relevant to me or not and by really going back to your care provider and talking to them then that can make a big difference in how you feel and, and looking at what's actually relevant to you. One little caveat I do want to mention on that is that this really does rely on having a supportive care provider because if you're really hoping for a low intervention birth, but you have a care provider who routinely does interventions and is very keen to do interventions and really sees pregnancy and birth as pathology and as an illness and is wanting to intervene, then if you go to them talking about some research, they might sort of sway you out of that a little bit. And so the probably the most common scenario I see with this is clients who are wanting to be active in labor and for the birth and want to birth in an upright position, which I've done a whole other podcast episode on around active birth and upright positioning and the research behind that and why that's so beneficial. And so they might go back to their care provider and say, hey, like I've been learning about active birth and I really want to be in the position of choice when I birth my baby. I'm thinking I'd maybe like to be in the bath or on all fours on the bed. Um, I'm not sure at the time, you know, I just want to be able to get into the position that works for me. Um, And that's what the research supports as well. Now, most care providers will say, yeah, absolutely. That's, you know, what I would suggest as well. I'm happy to work with you. If you're on all fours on the ground, I'll be kneeling on the ground with you. Um, Or if you're on the bed or if you're in the shower, the bathroom, I'll come in there with you as well. Sometimes clients will tell me that their midwife or obstetrician says something like, well, you know, you can move around in labor, but you need to be on the bed for the birth. Or you can move around if you want to, but most of my clients give birth in the bed. And it's just, that to me is a bit of a red flag that they're potentially going to put their comfort above yours in labor. Because like I said, we know that there's, there's so much research that actually laying flat on our back in the bed is not helpful. And actually the World Health Organization, I was reading um, one of their uh, policies the other day, and it was actually saying about how the lithotomy position, which is laying flat on your back on the bed with your legs up in stirrups. Um, They actually had a statement in there that that should be considered harmful and it shouldn't be routinely used for all women. And so when you have these discussions with your care providers, it's really important, I guess, that you trust that care provider and you have someone that is is aligned with your beliefs of birth because they may give you a different perspective. Um, I had another mum a little while ago who um, was, did not want to have any vaginal exams in labor if, if possible, was open to them if they were really needed, but didn't want to have them routinely. And when she was discussing this with her care provider, they said, you know, it's, it's not an option. It, it's something that you have to do. It's our policy. Um, it's not optional in labor. And that's really not true. Like I said, everything is optional. Everything is your choice. Vaginal exams can be 
are helpful sometimes, but as far as as far as assessing progression and when someone might have their baby, um, the, the research probably doesn't really support that they are necessarily that accurate for that. Um, so routinely doing vaginal exams um, for someone, you know, if they don't want to, that's their choice as well. So. Yeah, I do sometimes hear things like that, which drive me crazy, comments like that from care providers. Um, But yeah, it is. And I guess that's also where bringing up this discussion is kind of good because it helps you to work out if your care provider is supportive or not um, of the type of birth that you want and what you're working towards. And if you find that you are getting a lot of those red flags, you might want to switch care provider and find someone who is more aligned with what you're working for for your birth, um, or at least is just going to talk to you in a respectful way is not going to coerce you is not going to belittle you and and make you feel like you're being silly and things like that so um yeah having that discussion with your care provider bringing those questions back to them is is important so where do you start with researching these different things so in my hypnobirthing courses and in my online hypnobirthing course I have a list of different topics that you might want to research and build some knowledge around during your pregnancy. And this is things like options for monitoring baby's heart rate in labor, benefits of being in the water for labor or, or, you know, some of the options around that, Um, active birth positions, your different medical pain relief options, looking at the different pros and cons so you can have a really good understanding of those kind of things. Options around the birth of the placenta, um, coach pushing versus mother directed pushing or bearing down or instinctual pushing and some of the different research uh, differences there. So lots of those things is what I uh, cover and, and have in my online course. And then I also include a whole heap of links to different research and articles. So there's about 40 different links in there. There's a lot in there. You don't have to read them all, uh, but it does give you a really great starting point with some really good resources that are current Um, that are up to date with the latest research and are a really reputable place to start building that knowledge. Because sometimes when you just start Googling, it's a bit of a minefield of what you might find. Um, And I think all information is good, but just make sure you're looking at, okay, you know, who is writing this article? What is their perspective? Is there any bias that they might have on it? Um, And also looking at whether it's research-based or not. So some... um, websites that I think are really fantastic and you might want to grab a pen if you um, are not driving at the moment or you've got a sec or maybe you just want to pull over and write them down in your phone. But some fantastic websites to start are the Midwife Thinking website. Uh, That's brilliant. That's by an Australian midwife, Rachel Reed, and she breaks down a lot of different topics um, and is, yeah, it's it's fantastic, really research-based. She also has a podcast called The Midwife's Cauldron, which if you've worked with me, you've probably heard me talk about that because it is fantastic. So that's another option for building that knowledge. There is also a midwife in the UK and a researcher, Sarah Wickham. So her name is S-A-R-A, Sarah. Um, Sarah Wickham, she is also fantastic. Uh, What she does is break down a lot of the research that comes out because reading research is not always easy. And it's something where we can pretty much find research for anything, right? It's just looking at the quality of that study and did it have a big sample size and were they randomized and, you know, is, is randomization an option? Like, would, does that work? And all of those kind of things. So not all studies equal. And she's really good at breaking that down and looking at particular studies that come out. Is it actually information that we should be relying on or does it maybe have some flaws in that study? She's got some really good info on a variety of 
different topics as well, especially around inductions, different reasons for inductions. Um, yeah, that kind of thing. There's also the evidence-based birth website, which I love. Uh, if you've been on there before, you'll know that their articles are very in-depth. They're very, they're long, you know, they're going to take a bit to read through, but they cover so many topics. They talk about active birth positions. They've got a whole article on pushing in labor. They've got an article on your medical pain relief options, even other things like the research around aromatherapy and essential oils, the research around using water immersion, the bath, the shower for labor, all of that kind of thing. So that website is called Evidenced Based Birth. Uh, It is a US website, um, but it has some really good information. It rounds up a lot of studies from different countries. They also have a podcast, um, which I believe from memory is just called Evidence Based Birth or maybe the evidence-based birth podcast, you'd be able to find it if you if you head to their website. And uh, that's, you know, for other people, um, podcasts are a great way to build that information as well. So that's some resources that I often recommend to clients. They're a great starting point. They are very reputable resources, uh, very non-biased. The way that they present information, I think, is fantastic. And hopefully that will give you a little bit more confidence going into those discussions with your care provider, knowing some of the numbers, knowing some of the statistics, I think that can really help you with that decision as well. So we've talked about researching different topics, reading, building that knowledge, but then it's also important to look at your gut instinct on something. Pregnancy and especially birth is not a high level thinking event, especially birth, right? We need to switch off that neocortex, switch off that thinking brain, drop more into our body and really follow those primal instincts, which is not often what we do in our everyday life. So what I would really suggest so that you can drop into that space in the last few weeks is doing a lot of this research and decision-making ideally before 36 or 37 weeks because you probably don't want to go down a rabbit hole of all of this different research when you're 40 weeks and you're trying to just chill out and get the oxytocin going and all of those kind of things. So ideally we would have done a lot of this research. We would have put um, things into a birth plan or into a birth preferences list so that then we can easily communicate that with our care providers and then we can switch off in those last few weeks. But like I said, think about your gut instinct as well. I know that's really hard to trust um, and we want to look for the numbers and we want to look for the the science and the research behind things. And I totally get that. And I have definitely felt that in my pregnancy as well. But like I said, some things we just don't have enough research on yet. And sometimes we just need to weigh up the pros and cons of different options um, and pick what you think is going to be the best and then be at peace with that decision as well. And like I said, hopefully you've got a really supportive care provider where you can have these discussions with them and you can really um, break things down and look at the pros and cons. I know that I've done that with my midwife at our last appointment. We were um, just talking about, you know, a a particular option. Um, It was something that I was pretty confident that I didn't want to do, but also wanted to explore you know, the the option and some of the pros and cons. And we talked about it for quite a while. And we talked about not only the the benefits of potentially doing the um the intervention, call it, um, the that option, um, but also what if we didn't do it? You know, how would that look? Also looking at with that option, what are some of the cons? Um, yeah, how accurate is it? And that was really my question. If we were going to go for that option, how accurate is it going to be? Is it actually going to provide helpful information for us to make a decision? 
Or is it just going to give us information that we could then say, well, you know, this result has come back, but the research actually shows that maybe that test or procedure isn't that accurate anyway. So that's kind of what we were talking about. And we had a really in-depth discussion on it. Um, And so going back to a care provider and having those discussions, I think is great. And I really hope for a lot of you that you do have a really supportive care provider where you feel like you can have those discussions and you don't feel pressured and and yet you have that opportunity to chat with them. The other thing you can do if your care provider is recommending a certain course of action, you can always ask to see the policy and to have a read of that yourself. If it's not something you need to make a really urgent decision on, you can always say to them, look, can I just have a read of that? Can you print it off for me so I can have a read of it? And I'll let you know what I want to do next appointment. I, I appreciate your perspective and um, you know, thank you for taking the time for explaining all of that to me. I just want to think about it and I'll let you know next time. Now, sometimes we need to make a decision quicker than that. Sometimes we don't have a week to wait. A decision needs to be made more quickly, especially in more of those urgent or those emergency scenarios. But for a lot of interventions that we are using in birth or um, using in the lead up to birth, there is time to think about that. And that's going to help you to feel confident in that decision. Sometimes time helps you to work that out as well. So this is something that I get on my soapbox about a little bit because labor is not really the time to be learning about the pros and cons of different interventions. You do want to go into it being flexible and surrendering to the path that your birth might take and and knowing that, okay, you know, sometimes things need to change and you have information and you have tools that will support you to do that when the time comes. But I think going into it without any of that research or planning or preparation is a very slippery slope into feeling overwhelmed and also triggering that thinking part of your brain too much in labor. That's the part of the brain, the neocortex, that we want to be switching off in labor. So it's just not ideal for supporting our physiology. That's why I think it's so important to research the interventions before you're actually in labor and before they're actually presented to you. So if this is something that you're interested in, as I said, my online course covers quite a bit around navigating interventions. There's the list of topics that it's great to build your knowledge around. There is the articles that you can access in there as well to help you with building your knowledge and feeling more confident in navigating those interventions should they arise in labor. We also have a section on what questions to ask if interventions are suggested, how to get the info that you need to make a decision that you are comfortable with. So I'll pop the link to my online hypnobirthing course in the show notes. Hope this episode has been helpful and I will catch you all next time. to subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes and if you're enjoying the podcast i would be ever so grateful if you could rate and review on your favorite podcast player see you next week